talk about the emotion, to be able to process the emotion and let go of it, find it, verbalize it, and then release it from your body. Then your body relaxes. And then sexually, you're able to have so much more fun. It becomes extremely playful because you've been able to be really honest for yourself. And for a lot of us, we get stuck in the fear cycle and we don't communicate it. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill are authors, speakers, and the founders of The Connection Codes, the guide to human connection. After 30 years of living in a painful marriage, Dr. Glenn went back to school to become a marriage and family therapist and a clinical sexologist. He was determined to figure out what was causing so much pain in his relationship, and together with Phyllis, they discovered it. Now, they have shared with thousands in over 50 countries how to experience deep emotional and sexual connection, and they're on today's show to share some of their wisdom that they've gained over the years with all of the That Sex Chick listeners. Y'all enjoy. Great. All right. I'm, I'm digging this two on one action. This is like, you know, a really yummy, emotional threesome conversation that we get to have. I mean, I feel like I would like to have my husband here for this conversation, but also maybe I will get the codes and then I will go back into our relationship and then I'll be like a ninja and I'll just like lay it on him and do the, this little thing here and this little thing there and, (laughs) and see if he, uh, if he can pick up what I'm putting down and maybe we'll be even more emotionally connected, have Mm -hmm. even better sex after having this conversation with the two of you, Glenn and Phyllis, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my goodness. Thank Thank you. you. It's (laughs) definitely one of our favorite topics and reflects our relationship for sure. And, you know, I love the idea that you're out there, you're talking about that topic that a lot of people don't talk about Mm -hmm. and don't know where to turn to talk about it, you know, and you, if you Google it, you're in trouble, Mm -hmm. you know, you go down some crazy places. So I love it that you are out there making a difference because people really need to have a safe place to go and consume content like this. So thank you, Alexa. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So if you were imagining someone just Googling without, you know, like what, what would they put in the Google machine? Exactly. I mean, how crazy is that? Right. Yeah. No, that's actually a question I have. What do you think if someone was finding themselves challenged in their relationship in some regard or sex in some regard, what do you think they'd Google? And what do you think they'd find? Oh my goodness. I mean, ideally they're probably Googling something like sexual connection, but every, and I always say that every website is four steps from a porn site. So uh, I'm not even concerned about that, except you just don't know where it's going to lead Mm -hmm. you. And people are looking typically for dynamic connection. They want relational connection. Uh, That's where the greatest sexual connection is built. And so there's just no telling where it will uh, take them. And so, you know, part of the problem, we always say there's an upside and a downside to everything with the internet is you Google something and you get 7.3 million returns on it. Mm -hmm. Well, how the heck are you going to sort through that? And to figure out what's valuable and what's not, what's beneficial and what's not. So I just love your podcast and what you're doing that it helps people to actually find what they're looking for that will really be a benefit to them. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, just in the times when I've, I've done 
research and I use air quotes research. If I'm like looking for a fact or a piece of information that maybe I've heard at some point, or I read in a book and I'm trying to figure out who to credit for it or something. And I just yeah. go to Google and I start typing things. And the thing is that Google is, and just like search engines are bought and paid for by advertising agencies. Yeah. And so, you know, at the top of the, at the top, you know, search engine results would be like Healthline and Women's Magazine and Women's Health Magazine and L and all these like pop culture publications or online publications that are a lot of times people who are writing, but they're writing to get clicks and they're writing to get views and it's not fact-checked and it's not, they don't have to have scientific, medical, yeah. you know, they don't have to have that basis behind what they write. And if they find, you know, someone who they deem as a credible source to be able to quote, they can chop the thing up and take it out of context and build some, you know, words around it and make it kind of fluffy and then put it out there. And then is it actually going to serve people or not? And a lot of times getting a response, it's like a how to give a yeah. better blow job or how to, you know, spice it up in the bedroom or whatever. And a lot of times the how to's are giving very tactical, practical, like this technique, bring this toy in, do this thing. And what they're really missing, and I understand it's hard to communicate in that kind of format, but what they're really missing is the emotional stuff, is the heavily nuanced conversations that are required in order to make these things that they are um, suggesting viable options and not yeah. just opportunities for people to, you know, bring in more judgment, shame, blame, make wrong, hurt, rejection, all of the above. So I'm yeah. also grateful we've got the podcast too, um, because then we can kind of like soften that up. And hopefully if you dig around on a search engine results, several pages in, you might get to our show. I don't know. We're working on it. You know, <laughs> SEO is a thing. We've got a site that, you yeah. know, is also still probably a few clicks away from porn, but educational nonetheless yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, with who we affiliate with. And I love that we have the podcast because then we can bring people, real people in real relationships that are also doing the work that this stuff really matters to them. We can bring people like you guys um, or the both of you onto the show to have, you know, an even more in-depth, longer form conversation on the subject so that people can really, truly take it in yeah. and implement those changes. Yeah. And it's worth noting that we're centuries into miseducation. So this mm -hmm. is not a new development. It's right. just so much content is available now, but people have been misinformed for a very, very long time. So it's not like, you know, well, my parents' generation was on point and now we got all messed up because of Google. Not at all. The misinformation. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, damn it. <laughs> many, many years. Yeah. Right. You know, I think about just what does educate us when we're young, you know, it's either through something within our family structure where we get some kind of messaging mm. about sex or about who we are as sexual beings. And, you know, we definitely grew up in a time uh, for the listeners who don't know we're, you know, in our sixties, we've been married 40 years and, and, you know, we kind of grew up where it was really shamed. I mean, it just was not talked about and it was kind of understood that you would just figure it out. Like mm. sex is easy. You'll get it. It's, you know, it's so natural. You'll, you'll have, you know, right off the bat, amazing orgasms and, mm. you know, all that. And of course we learned the hard way that that's not true at all. And so for us, we started off just so devastated that sex was not easy. And for me, uh, you know, it just became like, I couldn't even talk about it. Like it was so negative for me coming off the honeymoon that I was just like, man, I just don't even know what just happened. And, 
there was no one to talk to because no one had talked to me before. And so there was just a lot of years of silence over it. And of course, back then there were no things like podcasts and very few books that were written and found pretty quickly that a lot of books were just not at all helpful for me. And so over the years, you know, we figured it out and began to just start talking about it simply not because it was easy to talk about back then, but it was such a, it was such a necessity. We saw people all around us struggling and it's like, no one's willing to talk about this. This is crazy. And so we began talking about it and, you know, it's kind of a long journey, but I feel like we eventually figured out how to have great sex, but we knew there was still something missing. And that's, you know, when, when Glenn uh, was working on his doctorate uh, to become a sexologist, it's like through the years of that, being back in school, having time is when he started doing a ton of research mm. that led him down the road of understanding what we really disconnect over. Cause we always thought it was, well, we fight because of sex. Sex was our number one thing we fought about. And it was kind of like, once we basically, yeah, once we stopped fighting about it, we still realized, wow, there's still something really missing here. And that's where the emotional connection piece came in. And mm. that's what Glenn, just a ton of research went into that. And then eventually we wrote a book and then now we've created masterclasses over the topic of just emotional connection, because to have just dynamic sexual connection, you got to have emotional connection, yeah. deep emotional connection. Yeah, and for the record, let me make sure I point out that our first um, sexual encounter together was the greatest 11 seconds of my <laughs> life. So I did not understand what Phyllis was so annoyed about. I wow. had no issues and ungrateful. That's, that, that's his, that's his go-to, isn't it? Oh, yeah, sure. it is. is yeah. That's his go-to. I don't know what she's talking Fine. about. It was the greatest 11 seconds <laughs> of my <laughs> life. That's a good one. This is amazing. Oh, let's do it again my soon. Word. Uh, right, that, let's do it again that, soon. Sadly, <laughs> that set us up for many, many years. Uh, because again, that that for and you, we were faith-based then, very conservative. And so we had not been involved sexually. We'd never put Tab A into slot B. And so that was our first time. And what it communicated to her psyche is, well, that's what sex equals. Mm. And for some bizarre reason, she was not interested mm -hmm. uh, from that, literally from that point forward. And we spent 20 years uh, in that kind of, and we had, it was a slow evolution. We got better at sexual activity, but we still didn't understand how to connect uh, emotionally and therefore uh, sexually. And that's what has changed so drastically for us. Yeah. For us, we had this huge moment, turning point moment, which of course, in, in the moment, we didn't know this was going to be the moment, right? But uh, it was kind of a scenario that occurred often between us. So it was one of those, I was in the kitchen, I was about to unload the dishwasher, open the dishwasher, it was already unloaded. So I turned to Glenn and I said, hey, babe, thanks for unloading the dishwasher. And he responded, not with, you're welcome, but he responded with a snarky, well, that's not the only thing I've done today. Which is how I typically yeah. respond. And so typically then I would go, you know, either a snarky response back, roll my eyes and be like, oh my gosh, can't you just say you're welcome? Like for once, can't you say you're welcome? But that was our interaction over and over. But that particular day, that particular moment in our day, and that was probably 20 years in. I decided I wasn't going to roll my eyes. I wasn't going to respond with a snarky response. I was going to become curious. And so I said to him, 
what do you hear me say when I say thank you for unloading the dishwasher? And what happens for you when I say thank you for unloading the dishwasher? And I was really stunned by his response. Yeah, you know, I just happen to live with one of the most productive people on the planet. She happens to live with one of the lesser productive people on the planet. I'm a lot of fun to have around, but I do struggle getting things done. So when she would say that, I thought her point was, it's a miracle that Glenn did something worthwhile for a change. You know, he's such a lazy, useless sluggard. And wow, everybody celebrate, call the internet, throw some confetti that he did something useful. Many, many, many years later, we now understand what was happening there because the brain doesn't distinguish physical pain from emotional pain. So what was happening for me, not based on what Phyllis was doing uh, as far as her intention, but based on what was happening for me, she had just punched me in the face. Well, now I don't want to be around her. I don't want to be connected with her because she's dangerous. She's a pain source. And again, this has nothing to do with Phyllis, mm -hmm. even though it's all about Phyllis. This is about what was happening for me. And what happens for couples, for either party or both parties, they wound each other so extensively so many times during the course of the day. And then typically, not always, but typically for the man, then, you know, whatever, eight o'clock at night, he's like, hey, babe, you want to like, you know, get down and dirty? And she's bleeding. She's wounded. She's damaged from all of the things that he said and did that day. And so she's like, uh, no, you're a pain mm -hmm. source. And of course, she doesn't know that. She's unable to verbalize that. And it can very much be vice versa as well. There are many, many men. Uh, the erectile mm -hmm. dysfunction industry is a billion dollar industry. Uh, and the this problem is that it works. You can actually drug someone and get them to have an erection, but that does not mean that they're going to have sexual connection at all. It's just a, they're going to have sexual activity. And once we understand that if we have all this emotional wounding, it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for us to connect uh, sexually. Again, we can have sexual activity, but not sexual connection. And so for us, the reason that was such a huge turning point is because I, for the first time, understood mm. that here, I always thought it was logistics. If we could just get all the logistics right, then we won't fight anymore. And in that moment, I thought, oh, my word, what he experiences in his head mm. is so different than what I am trying to communicate or what I'm experiencing in my head. And so I realized this is not about logistics. This is about emotion. This is about what's happening for him emotionally when I say thank you for unloading the dishwasher. And when I began to just understand that, then I was able, like when we would have an interaction and his response would seem kind of off to me, I was able to go, hey, what's happening for you? And then he would slow himself down to go, well, that just really hurt. And then I was able to hear that and not take judgment upon myself, not feel blamed, but simply, wow, thank you actually doesn't, that's not a positive for you. That's a negative for you. Mm. Uh, you think I'm making fun of you and I'm genuinely thankful that you unloaded the dishwasher. And so we started in that moment communicating in a really different way. And because that was such a huge turning point for us, and that became very common, that kind of language, that played in a lot to Glenn's research and kind of going down that whole road of emotion, which, to be honest, we knew, I knew very little about. Like, I thought you choose your emotions. You know, you get up in the morning and go, hey, I'm going to just choose joy. That sounds good to me. And, 
you know, I never understood that your brain fires emotion and it doesn't distinguish between physical pain and emotional pain. Like I didn't know any of that stuff. And so it was so eye opening within our relationship to start actually tuning in to what was happening for each of us emotionally. And I, you know, for me, even sexually, I think I had become a performer. Mm. Like I knew how to get pleasure and I knew how to give pleasure, but very much on a performance level, not an emotional level. Like I, I was pretty guarded for a long, long time and didn't even know how to get there. And so a lot of tools that we've developed that we have put into our masterclasses and in, in our book is about these really basic tools because I think there's a ton of people out there like me who just did not, we're not ever taught how to tune in emotionally to ourselves. And if we don't tune in emotionally to ourselves, we can't communicate that to our partner. We are not even communicating it to ourselves because we just kind of bypass it. We don't even understand. You know, I think if we had uh, the machinery that we could all have in our house to plug up our brains and go, oh, look, what's firing today? You know, we would be shocked in a way, but we'd also be better educated. Like, oh, look at that. I'm, I'm dealing with a ton of fear. Didn't even know it. Mm. And, you know, we don't, we don't have that. We don't do that it, unless you're in a laboratory. But it's like we've had, we do have the ability to tune in ourselves. We just don't know how. And so some of our tools are super basic in, as far as helping in that area. And it's, it's been a fun journey, like going down the road with other couples on this and being able to really teach these things. People are like, whoa, man, that is really mind-blowing just because I think we fight over logistics and we take each other into the courtroom all the time in our marriages where it's like, I want to prove that I'm right. And I want to prove that you're wrong. Mm. So let's go into the courtroom and fight it out. We'll get a judge and a jury. And, you know, as we always say, the judge may go, you're, you're correct, but you always lose in the end, mm. right? Both people lose. Like you leave the courtroom just bleeding, yeah. even if you are the one who feels like I'm right. And I proved it. Yeah. For sure. I mean, my listeners have heard my husband and I say it over and over and over again. If one, if I win or if he wins, we both lose. Yeah. So it, when we come at, you know, any kind of situation, whether it's a big decision for our life or it's just deciding how to interact with each other because one of us is more tender in that particular day, you know, it's, it's more of a collaborative process where we've got to look at this like, and, you know, we have a mentor that we really have loved working with over the years. Her name is Annie Lala. And one of the things that we've, we've learned from her and just continue to, to lean into over the years is that at any given moment, one of us is more resourced than the other. And mm -hmm. so like the dishwasher story and that moment, you saying, thank you, you're in a sense more resourced because he's having his moment. Like, oh, that's a jab. That hurts. That's painful. So you have the wherewithal. You have the, the resources enough to zoom out a little bit mm -hmm. eventually and, and question, something's not adding up here. Mm -hmm. And the way that I've been going about this historically sure. is leading to more pain and disconnection and hurt and all these things. So let's opt to do this a little bit differently. And so like in any given moment, there's one person that potentially can do that for the couple and kind of bring that broader perspective and be the, the reminder, you know, the person who reminds the two of you that we're on the same team and I love you and we're doing this thing together and I'm not here to hurt you. And if that's what's happening, then let's, let's talk about that. Let's, you know, get back into harmony. And like my husband and I, 
we don't argue very much at all. We kind of bicker a little bit here and there, and it's a little bit more playful because we quickly know, you know, remind ourselves like what we're doing and yada, yada, yada. But we had a moment last night, mm-hmm. like just totally, he did a thing, he made a decision and it just poked all the thing, like the exact wounds that I haven't, I've done lots of excavating. I've done lots of healing on whether it's, you know, previous abandonment father stuff, or if it's, you know, previous partnerships where I trusted, but they weren't worthy of my, like say worthy of my trust. They did bad things. They made bad decisions. And I, of course I played a role in that, but it definitely left wounding and hurting and all those things. And it just happened to be like the perfect storm of this little thing and that little thing and this little thing that added up to, I need to panic. Hmm. And I, this morning, I just wanted to be mad. Like I just wanted to be really upset and in my hurt and in my feelings. And I could see what I could see what I was doing. And I just like needed to have my moment. Like, let, let me just ride this out. I'm not attacking you. I'm not yelling at you or any of those things. And, and the reason why I chose to marry this man, this one is because he sat next to me while I was in the bathtub and he said, I'm, I'm just going to listen to you. I know that you're hurting. And I don't want that. That's never my intention. So I'm, I don't, I'm going to sit here and I want you to know that I don't need to be understood and I don't need you to hear me and I'm not going to get defensive. I just want to be here because I know your heart is hurting. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, thank you. And I hate you. And it's really like, it's like a little bit of everything because I'm like, this is why I married you. I married Mm -hmm. you because this is how we do conflict. You know, like a good marriage or a good relationship like a healthy relationship isn't void of these things. It's not void of the conflict. It's not void of any of those things. It's, I think the way that people go about trying to support each other and love each other and and bringing it back to, you know, we're on the same team Mm -hmm. and, and, and being able to like do that, the emotional hygiene work, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess I could, for lack of better terms there. And, and things like, you know, you two have discovered over the years with connection codes, you know, and, and, it's, it's kind of wild. Cause it was, there was a time before, you know, I met my husband and you know, my, in my twenties, I'm like, Oh, I just got to change the person out. Hmm. Like, you know, uh, like this isn't working. So like, it's probably because we aren't a good fit mm-hmm. versus what can I actually take responsibility for here? What's me? You mm-hmm. know, like we have the joke or I'm like, well, if it's a problem, it's you. Like if it's everywhere in your life, it's you. And so, you know, we playfully joke with each other and and like, oh, if you're like, literally everything is burning to the ground, everything, like this is like a little personal solo journey. It's not everybody else's responsibility to come try to put you back together and fix your things for you and all of that. So, you know, how great that I think, and over time, I've, I realized those things and then have been able to create a platform where we get to have these conversations mm-hmm. so that hopefully more people can hear like, you're not broken. Let's just I, look at these I, things differently. You know, yeah. you're not broken and your, your relationship's not a lie and your love, it has always been real. Mm-hmm. Your family is worth fighting for. Yeah. It's not just stick it out. And it's always so hard. Like let's literally right. start doing right. some things differently. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Are you someone who loves to talk about, learn about and explore the world of sex? Perhaps you're even that friend who everyone comes to for intimate advice and guidance. If this sounds like you, I have a question for you. Have you ever considered becoming a sex coach? More than a college degree, you need drive, desire, and a deep passion for truly helping others. 
As you may know, not only am I a sex, love, dating, and relationship coach, but I also teach other coaches this niche craft. The Sex and Love Coach team and I have now taught over 100 coaches how to do this work and how to run successful coaching businesses. Sex and Love University is a year-long journey starting September 5th, 2023, and it includes three trimesters focusing on sex education and personal development, coaching skills and tools, and business, sales, marketing, branding, etc. Over the course of a year, you will get to step into your own personal development work on a deeper level, build community with like-minded women, develop your skills as a coach, discover your own niche and how to monetize it while building the confidence to make this your thriving new career. If you've ever thought about it, dreamed about it, or wondered if this is even possible, go ahead and take a closer look at the show notes and find out more about Sex and Love University today. So let's talk about the things that people can do differently. Because, you know, I've had I've had Jordan on, my husband, I've had him on a number of times and we've talked about the things that we've done differently. And so we've got like our like little handful of things that, you know, but we're still working on it, right? So we're a year and a half into marriage. So, you know, of course we're, we're experts now. <laughs> that is a joke. Um, five and a half working on six years being together. And we started our relationship in our thirties. So at 30 and are going into, you know, have starting our family and everything in our mid thirties. And so we waited, waited for a certain level of maturity. We waited and, and I laugh when I, like, I laugh to myself when I say that I'm like, am I, <laughs> am I there yet? Yeah. Uh, but we did wait. And there's so many people that start their family and start their relationships much younger and mm-hmm. then find themselves in these relationships and with these families. And they feel so lost because they, they essentially grew up together and were never given the resources, the tools, you yes. know? So it's like, how do, you know, for the single people, it's like, how do I do this differently yeah. in the next yeah. relationship? And for people who've been in relationships are like, is it too far gone? Right. You know, let's talk, let's, let's dig into, you know, some of the things that you both uncovered and discovered in your relationship and, and that are just transforming people's ways of intimacy, of connection with each other, of harmony and peace in their families and their relationships. Yeah. I love that. And I love what you just shared in the vulnerability of just sharing what mm-hmm. happened last night. And then yeah. you this morning, because as your listeners, you know, I, I imagine a large majority just heard that story and went, okay. I want my husband to sit next to me when I'm in the bathtub and just make space Mm -hmm. for what I'm going through. So for those listeners who are now going, please, please, please tell me how to do that, how to create the kind of relationship. That is what we have discovered through the connection codes. And part of it is being able to hear each other. Mm. Like there's such a miss on that. And, and also to realize emotion happens to you. So whatever all the stuff last night that was triggered, you didn't decide to feel that way. You didn't decide to feel so hurt that even waking up this morning, you were still feeling that hurt. So to understand emotion happens to you. So what do we do next in this relationship where we want to feel heard, not judged, not fixed, not, you know, stepped around or shoved to the side, but we really want our partner to sit with us and hear the pain that we're experiencing and the pain that involved them. Right. And that's the other ingredient. So often we are, we just jump to being defensive or that whole, I didn't mean to say that, or I didn't mean to hurt you as though that's going to make it all okay. And so 
Take yeah, it away, babe. Well, one of the things I try to emphasize to people, because nobody starts out with that plan. 24 hours before our wedding, Phyllis and I were excited about Happily Ever After. 48 hours after our wedding, we were stunned as to what the heck just happened and what did we just sign up for? We figured it'd be like 50, 60, 70 years. So it's like, well, crap, this is already not what we wanted. And, what, and so that's true for every couple I've ever met. I've never been to the wedding, you know, where they say, well, we'll be in love for six months, maybe two years, and then we'll dissipate. <laughs> I've never been to that wedding. I don't think it exists. And just so, live the rest of our days. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, no, my roommate, my husband. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so people don't need better intentions and they don't need more effort. People are exhausted already. They need better tools. And I love it that you said that, uh, Alexa, you know, resources and tools. Mm -hmm. So the connection codes are all about tools that people know what to do next. One of the protocols that uh, startled me just a few years ago, uh, looking at the research, that humans don't experience an emotion for more than 19 seconds unless it's reactivated. And it can be reactivated a lot of different ways, including by your partner or your friend or your mom or your neighbor. So when we learn how to process that emotion in 19 seconds, which is where we live now, which stuns me. The reason we're so passionate about the connection codes is because we live this now. Mm. We had no idea that it was even possible. Our tense moments rarely ever last more than 30 seconds, which if mm -hmm. you had said that to me 25 years ago, I probably would have punched you in the face because I would have thought you were making fun of me. You know, like mm. you were just being like, well, you know, this could take 30 seconds, buddy, because we took three days or three weeks to sort through conflicts. And now to do that in 20, 25, 30 seconds blows my mind that it's even possible. Well, it's interesting that you you kind of gave in a very vulnerable way the story of how it played out for you guys mm. this morning. And, you know, uh, is it Jordan? Is that right? Yeah. 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 I don't think Jordan probably even knows about that research. Like just give her 19 seconds and we're going to get to the other side of this. Right. Most of us don't understand that research, but basically that's what he did with you. He gave you the space where you now felt heard, which means this emotion was able to be processed by you. And then it was a, you were able to release it out of your body. And, and it is so amazing. Just understanding the science behind emotion makes things I mean, it's like the, all the aha moments we go, wow, that's incredible. One of the basics, one of the things we teach is the difference between why did you say that or why did you do that versus what happens for you? So that's one of the things we say, take why out of your relationship, out of your conversation with each other. Mm -hmm. Why puts the other person on defense? They feel like they have yeah. to prove something. They feel accused of something. But if you go, Hey, babe, what's, what's happening for you then? And even last night, you know, if Jordan had, had done that with you last night, you might've gone, who knows where in that conversation, you might've mentioned your dad, you might've mentioned abandonment. You might've mentioned uh, a past relationship with George. I mean, who knows what would have come <laughs> out in that moment, but it's, it's that question what's happening that yeah. it's like our body responds to that. We slow ourselves down when someone mm -hmm. says what's happening. Mm -hmm. And versus why speeds everything up? Why immediately puts us in this? It I have to defend. Yeah, it reactivates yeah. the emotion and we feel like we have to prove the worthiness of that emotion. Yeah. But the question what happens draws you to and in to that situation. And so then you're able to feel heard with each other. And I think that's a big thing. You know, people will say, well, he's a really good listener. And it's like, well, well, how do we define that? 
you know, often we think if we just sit there and don't say a word mm. or just like, I'm just going to stare at you the whole time you're talking, <laughs> we think that's being a good listener. Well, that's not because what the person's receiving is what's called a still face, mm. credible science on that. And that is actually not I don't even know what you're thinking. So I don't think you're listening to me. You're probably thinking about the ball game that's going on in the other room. And so we teach this basic stuff that you've got to be audible. You've got to be an audible listener. You've got to respond with what we call the ooh, which is kind of a title. It's more an audible like, oh, yeah, okay, all right, uh-huh. Like it's something that the other person can hear and that stimulates their brain to go, oh, okay, this person's listening to me. Yeah, well, what the research showed is if I'm ooing Phyllis, it actually tickles the pleasure center of her brain. If I'm silent, I could be completely cued into her. I mean, totally focused, listening to every word that she's saying. But what the research showed was that if I'm silent, it tickles the pain center of her brain. So she's experiencing pain. There's three emotional pains, hurt, sad, and lonely. So she's probably feeling lonely in that moment, even though I'm sitting right here beside her and I'm looking at her the whole time but it actually is activating the pain center of her brain. Whereas if I'm audible, it tickles the pleasure center yeah. of the brain. And then the other thing, sometimes as listeners, we think our job is to fix. Mm. And so yeah. you've shared a pain and the fix response is, oh no, you're okay, babe. You know, I know that happened a long time ago. And that we go into this fix, like I'm gonna encourage you with my words, which mm. actually does the opposite. It really communicates that what you just shared isn't even valid and you're kind of stupid for sharing it and you're immature for and sharing it. it and you shouldn't have felt it. And you know, you should have been, that was a long time ago. You should be over it by now. So there's judgment in that. And yet the person who thinks they're being a good listener is all actually doing all these things that in your brain is communicating. Mm. You're not a good listener. And you know, with a lot of couples we work with, they'll say, one of them will say, well, he doesn't ever hear me. And the husband goes, I hear every word you say. And it's not about the audible, you know, like her ears are working, his ears are working. It's about the experience. So do I feel heard in this relationship? If you don't feel heard, that's what matters. And so it's right. those, those ways of understanding each other and understanding what happens in the brain, what happens mm -hmm. in the emotion region of your brain, where you're like, you're kidding. That, that actually communicates pain. I thought I was doing a good thing by just silently staring at you when you're talking to me. I thought that was a good thing. And, and it's like just science, right? We have so much technology yeah. now. We can just see it. We can see that, oh, your pain region is actually firing mm. when there's complete silence. So a lot of these tools, once you see them and hear them, you're like, well, those are really basic. And yet most of us don't know them. And so we complicate yeah. things a lot. So I work with a wide range of people. You know, they come into our coaching programs and it's a lot of sex education and it's a lot of varying tools and different things that they can use to, you know, to get back into connection. And some of them, I think, are very similar to some of the tools that that you guys have too, like just our own little flavor. Yeah. And so wide range, you know, people who are with us for a long period of time, I watch them completely transform who they are and how they're showing up in relationship and as an individual in life, you know, who they are week one versus who they are six months down the road, you know? And um, where was I recently? I mean, I was just in New Orleans. Um, I was home hosting a women's retreat. And I actually, this might've been kind of, this is kind of like, just think this is where this idea is coming from is just being surrounded by people from where I'm from 
which is Mm -hmm. very different than being surrounded by the community that I've cultivated very intentionally here in Austin. Um, So when I go home, I'm like, oh, this is how this goes. This is how you people do this. How are you all still together? (laughs) How? You know, but they must get something right because a lot of them are together for a long time. But anyway, I had some newbies at my retreat and I just happened to be, you know, in my home environment, which is, you know, the paraphrase uh, Ram Dass quote, that's if you think you're so evolved, go spend a week with your family. You know, I'm reminded of all of the things that I still get to work on in this life whenever I go brush up against, you know, like sister and mom and cousins Mm -hmm. and all the things. But anyway, you know, some of those people that I would say, like, if I were dropped into the middle of, let's say, a bunch of young women that maybe I went to high school with, maybe a couple of years ahead of me, maybe a couple of years behind me, if I were just like dropped into the middle of a conversation with them and I brought up some of the things that you were just sharing, I imagine that some of the responses would be, I could never get him to do that. Or Mm -hmm. I could say these things like how, you know, I could say this. And then the response would be, you know, more of, I can't do anything right. Or I say this and you interpret that. So like, how is that my fault? Like a lot of pushing the blame back over onto them, leaving them feeling like they're the kind of more or less this illusion that they're the only one that's interested in working on their relationship and feeling hopeless. And feeling like they a lot of times just have to work with whatever their male counterpart is bringing into the relationship. And then, of course, this ensues their own emotional cycles where he feels like she's all over the place and whatever. And so he's just at least this steady like I'm not, you know, this what you see is what you get kind of thing. It's this really unfortunate dynamic. Um, And so I guess some of my curiosities are for you know, let's say women specifically, you know, a large population of our, or a large group of our listeners are women in relationships. How would you suggest them to go about, you know, like, is this like a both parties have to be on board to do this thing? Or is there some way that, you know, let's say in a heterosexual relationship, she can take on some of these things and kind of help to, massage this into their relationship so that he sees the benefit and then gets on board. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And you know, we, we have a private practice here outside of Nashville, Tennessee and zoom with people all over the world, which is a really cool experience because often when you develop tools, they work in a Western you know, American society. And with these tools that we have developed, they work in every language Mm. all over the world, which is incredible, Mm. just as a side note. But we also know that if only one partner understands what's happening and develops and really masters these tools themselves, they see incredible change within their family, within their kids, within their spouse, within even relationships at work with, with girlfriends. It's like we get, you know, emails every day of people just telling those kinds of mm-hmm. testimonials, because once you figure this out for yourself, because it's the human condition, it's not just some theories that we've come up with. It's all through science and yep. you kind of go way back in it and you go, wow, this so totally makes sense. And when you start using them, then you see the results and the people around you do too. They begin to ask like, what, what is this? You know, like what, what has happened? And it doesn't take long because they all of a sudden see you responding in a different way, reacting in a different way, 
you know, even wording things differently, like instead of why did you say that to say, so what happens for you when, when I say that it's like, you get a different response and the people begin to notice. And so we have found that it's, it is, it's incredibly powerful, even when only one person is involved in the tools. Yeah. And the power of this, just from a macro perspective, the reason the connection codes work is because they're based on the human condition. They're not mm -hmm. just a theory or a philosophy, a personality profile. This is what is already inside of me, inside of you, inside of every human on the planet. Uh, and it's how we're uh, born to operate. And we're faith-based. We believe that there's a designer behind all this. Even if there's not, if there's no God and it's all just evolutionary, this is the human condition. The connection codes are based on how humans function already. Uh, we say that we're the founders of the connection codes. We're not the inventors. We're not the creators. We discovered it. And then we wrote a book about it, but we did not invent it. The connection codes existed long before I was born. They've always existed throughout human history because this is how humans uh, function. Uh, we mentioned earlier that, you know, if I don't feel seen and heard by Phyllis, we're not going to connect deeply. Well, that's not because that's in chapter three of our book. <laughs> that's the human condition. And I didn't decide that. That was already true. Uh, and the connection codes have spread to over 60 nations uh, now. So it's very, very cross-cultural. And it just works, again, simply because it's based on the human condition. And it has nothing to do with religious tenets or anything of that nature. It's just what happens for humans. Yeah, totally. I mean, as I continue my my path, I grew up Catholic and my um, husband grew up with his grandparents as pastors as a, of a charismatic Christian evangelical, like slaying the spirit, whole, holy everything. Um, that was where he grew up. And we both, you know, individuated and we're like, we're going to make spirituality for ourselves. And it's, we've talked about it a couple of times on the show where we find ourselves now just very curious about what faith actually means to us and what it would look like if instead of having those things put upon us if we were to forge our own relationship with them. And it's especially prevalent for us now because we're going to start a family and, and like by December. <laughs> and so the questions of like, how do we want to raise this little one and all that. And so even as you, as you're speaking, like the tenants, they're legit for a reason, <laughs> you know? So whether you look at them and are like, I believe in, in God and Jesus and all the things, or if you just look at it and are like, wow, that's really wise. You know, they're wise and repeated for a reason. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Wow. I love well, that. And, you know, I think with even starting a family, you go, you know what? I want my child to be emotionally right. intelligent. Yeah. And I need to figure this stuff out so I know which way to go. And, yeah. you know, our kids, we have four children uh, going on 12 grandchildren. And, you know, it's incredible to have, to be able to use these tools with our kids and our grandkids. And we can talk so openly and really deeply about our emotion and we can just come to the table with it, you know, like to, that it's so we're able to say, wow, I felt really hurt by what you said. And it's received, it's not defended. It's like, yeah. I feel heard by my kids and I, I feel so seen by my kids and my grandkids. And, but it's, it's been quite the journey, right? We've been doing this and so sometimes people say, okay, we've already made too many mistakes. And it's like, oh, n n thankfully we're older and we have grown children. And so we're able to go, oh, we didn't figure this out early on. We figured this all out in the last decade. And so we're, these kind of tools allow you to go back in and go, hey, I think I really missed some things with you. And to be able to have those conversations with your kids is incredible. And mm -hmm. you know, and I've been able to have, even within my, with my siblings who are, I was the youngest of eight. So they're all older and to be able to have these conversations even within my family 
has been really something. And to be able to just have the tools like to hear each other, not try to fix each other. Mm -hmm. It's all such powerful stuff. And, but I think our greatest passion, and I definitely feel that for you and Jordan is to go, okay, wow, we're about to bring a little human into this world. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to teach them to process their emotion. Like, oh my word, so much dysregulation gets us so off track with so many mm -hmm. things in life. Yeah. And so that's so huge. Yeah. We tell people all the time, your greatest role model is going to be living in your house. If you watch your six month old, mm. you watch your 12 month old, <laughs> they know how to human. They know how yeah. to be authentic. They always present authentically, they always <laughs> present vulnerably, mm -hmm. and you're always present with them. That's what humans are coded. That's why we call it the connection codes. We're coded. We're yeah. hardwired. Uh, this way. And then somewhere along the way, most of us get knocked off course. We get right. reprogrammed. We never get recoded. This coding is still, right. what it is. we just right. forgot it. And I think it's for a variety of reasons. And I'm sure like, oh, y'all agree yeah. too. like some of our habits and ways that we are in the way of connection at one point or another served me very well, you oh, know, absolutely. protected me, um, mm -hmm. moved me through the world, you know, but, and and I look at it now as, okay, so I learned how to be hard and I learned how to take care of myself. And I learned how to do these things because I didn't have a father figure. I didn't know what that was like. And I can be a victim to that. And I could use that as an excuse as to, well, I just am the way that I am, or I can choose to do this differently. I can choose to heal and to work on that and know that they're, you know, healing isn't linear. And there is no like end goal. You've arrived, you're healed. Congratulations. Like it's, it's something that it comes in layers of like when it's affecting me and when it's very present and maybe when it's not. And I imagine having a little person is going to for sure show me all of the areas that I have not touched yet or have not looked at yet, you know? And, and then as I gotten down the line into maturity and adulthood and all that, then it's like, okay, well, how do I actually want to operate? Because this did serve me then but this isn't serving me now when I want to be in connection with my husband, when I want to be in connection with the first father I'll ever spend an extended period of time with will actually be him. And so, you know, it's so multifaceted and I don't, I like, I look at the habits and the different things and I'm like, okay, thank you. I want to say you had a sacred role in my life and I appreciate you for that. And I actually thank you. And I don't need you right now. I don't need you. You are inhibiting me from being able to be in connection, being able to be vulnerable, being able to hear another person and, and what they've got, you know, to bring to the table and all of that. And so, you know, I kind of point that out just like for anyone who just to just point that, that perspective out is like at some point, the things, the habits and the things that you have, like might've had a sacred role in this process. And it doesn't mean like, oh, I, I need to beat myself up and I'm so wrong or bad for having these things. It's like, okay, we'll just see it for what it is. And you get to then choose at times in the future, like make different decisions, you know? And if you've got 19 seconds, okay, we'll be with the fuck you, I hate you for 19 seconds and then go, what do I choose now? <laughs> you know? So if, if 19 seconds is going to go by and it's like, I'm going to grit my teeth and go, you know what? I'm going to choose love instead. Let's do it. <laughs> uh. That's so powerful. I mean, it is yeah. those moments, right? I think it is crazy. 19 seconds, you go, that's not long. Yeah. We, so yeah. we so often are so reactionary mm. that it is 19 seconds. It's like, I can't hold my breath that long. I'm about to explode. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of just what we developed this whole masterclass around mm. is how do we do that? How do we stay in the moment for 19 seconds? How do we not lose it? 
how do we slow ourselves down? You know, it's almost like the deep breathing kind of idea. Like how do we slow ourselves down to be present for the other person and to not be reactionary, but to really hear the wounding, to hear the pain that the other person is, Mm. is experiencing. And yeah, it is, it's, it is not just a magic pill. It's definitely, uh, it it takes the knowledge. I think it starts with the knowledge, understanding the science behind it. Then when you see it play out, you're like, oh my gosh, that really worked. And then you go, okay, I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm going to get really, really good at this. And we, we, we were so determined, like, even though we have a private practice, we know we're so limited with how many people we can see Mm -hmm. and how many people we can teach this to. So that's part of why the book was first and the master classes is because there's got to be a way to get this out without people having to sit with us to work through and learn these tools. And, you know, we're super excited just to be able to present that even to your audience and to be able to give you guys that we've got a discount code for you guys. If they go to our website, connectioncodes.co forward slash that sex chick, they'll get a free download of some of our tools and a video teaching the tools. So that's all free. But if they uh, want to get the masterclass and they just put in sex chick, they'll get 20% (laughs) off. So we wanted to make it easy for your uh, audience just to really find these tools and to get some free material and to get them on the road. You know, this is quite the journey. So amazing. That is an incredible gift. And Thank you for that. I love I love whenever they've got a clear path to whatever they, you know, whatever the next step is. And that's easy for them. Have you ever been too much in your head during sex? Like racing thoughts that keep you in your head and out of your body and out of your pleasure? Is one of the things that goes through your mind maybe laundry? <laughs> like, is this sex worth messing up the bed or having to strip the sheets and or comforter off to put in the wash afterwards? Well, my friend, I've got just the thing to remedy this conundrum if that's you. It's called a splash blanket, and it's one of my favorite additions to our sexy toy box. Before playtime, we just lay out our splash blanket and we do our thing without worrying if lube or anything else is getting on my fresh bedclothes underneath. It allows for me to relax and for my husband not to worry if I'm worrying about having to do laundry or scrubbing some sort of fluid off the comforter after we finish. We even travel with our smaller blankets because to us, they represent play, sexiness, and fun. And they keep questionable things off the beds in the Airbnbs we rent. And that's worthy of a five-star review, if you ask me. If this sounds like just the thing to add to your collection, you can visit my favorite place to shop for all sexual wellness products, Yoni Pleasure Palace. Bonus, you can use the code THATSEXCHICK, all one word, for 15% off your order. And while you're there, why not check out the crystalline glass wands, natural lubricants, and body-safe silicone toys? There's always something new to explore at yonipleasurepalace.com. I would love, before we round this podcast out, a couple of things. So we've gotten one big tool, mm-hmm. like in case anyone didn't pull it out, didn't piece this <laughs> together. One of the, the biggest tool that we've conversed about is, well, you've shared it with the, instead of saying why it's what's mm-hmm. happening for you. At least I've gathered that much since we've mm-hmm. been talking. And I am curious if there's another one or two that really stand out that if someone were to implement it today, they would see the little light bulb would go off. The O, oh, this is, yeah. I, we're onto something. And then the second thing that I would love, and y'all can maybe lead us there, is 
how this translates into sexual intimacy. You Mm. know, like if sex is not really happening or it's happening in this very performative way, or it's like, you know, every Tuesday at two, um, which I think is a great thing to have on your calendar. However, if you want to make sure that there's also emotional connection in the mix, which makes it even better, um, I would love to hear, you know, like how this really weaves into being more sexually satisfied. Well, can I start with the two and then go back to the one? Okay. And we need to do a whole nother podcast (laughs) just about the sex aspect of it. But I think a huge one. So, and we actually have a masterclass on just sex and how to take these tools and, and implement them into your sex life. But I'll give you just a little bit of a teaser for that, that it's been so transformative for us. And that is to be able to share the emotion behind it. So what I mean is for Glenn to be able to come to me and go, oh, babe, I feel so much joy. Uh, We call them sex dates, which happens to be tonight for us. So yay. Yes, it's a good day. Uh, But for him to be able to come to me at any point and go, oh, I'm feeling so much sexual joy. And then I tune in, I'm like, oh, babe, what's happening with the joy? And then he'll go, well, I've just been thinking about you. And I would just love to play with you tonight. And I hear his emotion, which draws him to me. And there's times our life is pretty full, pretty crazy. And he may be feeling sexual joy, but in that moment, there's really not a reality. We've got people coming over tonight, babe. You know, they won't stay till midnight. I'm, you know, I'm kind of checked out by 10 PM. So midnight really pushes me. And yet we've, I haven't rejected him. I've heard his emotion. I've heard his joy and it brings us together right? It's not a complicated, in the early days, it was like that whole, how do you connect sexually? It's awkward. Like so often it's, you want to have sex tonight. And you know, there's these questions that are really not true to what's happening for the other person. So when he can just express his sexual joy, then I can hear that. Or he'll express his sexual loneliness. Oh, babe, I'm feeling some sexual loneliness. And I tune into that like, Oh, what's happening with the loneliness? Well, we've just been super busy and uh, you know, we've not even been going to bed at the same time. I just really miss you. I, I just love, love to hold you. I love to play with you. Then I don't feel pressure. I just hear him. I hear his sexual loneliness. And then I'm like, well, babe, you're right. We've been super busy. Let's look at the calendar. Our sex dates this week, we've always got a weekly sex date, but that doesn't mean we're not sexually active in between. And so we'll just look at the calendar. And it's not this painful game that a lot of couples play like the, the hints. Well, he's been hinting and I've been ignoring. It's just laying it out, being emotionally connected with what is happening sexually, emotionally. That's huge. And then other times we, once you're tuned in to your own emotion, there's also the ability that bridge that can go to, Ooh, I feel a lot of emotional fear about our sex date this week. Oh, babe, what's happening with the fear? Well, I just don't feel top notch. My leg is hurting. And I, I just feel like it's, I'm going to be a disappointment tonight mm. because I'm just kind of stuck in this pain cycle right now. And it's like, we show up super authentic. I'm not performing. Mm. I'm not pretending I'm being really genuinely real. And he knows how to make space for that. And that has been a huge, it's like when you, mm. you have that kind of emotional connection sexually, it, there's such safety in that and the freedom in that and the safety that I feel allows me then to have those moments, like the, the multiple Mm -hmm. orgasms come for a lot of women, they shut it off because they feel guilt that Mm -hmm. it takes them so long to even orgasm compared to their spouse. 
Well, that is something you can process. You can talk about, you can say, oh, I feel so much guilt's taking so long. Well, when he hears that so often, we hear this from guys that are like, oh gosh, I love it. Like, please take longer. I love seeing you like this. I love playing with you. I love bringing you to an orgasm. But women often don't know mm. to even process that emotion. Right. So then they shut themselves down. And that often the reason more women don't have multiple orgasms is because they feel so much guilt just getting to the first one. So they don't just relax into it to have multiple orgasms. But when you're able to just talk about the emotion, to be able to process the emotion and let go of it, which is part of the processing is verbalizing the emotion, find it, verbalize it, and then release it from your body. Mm. Then your body relaxes. And then sexually you're able to have so much more fun and mm. it becomes extremely playful because you've, you've been able to be really honest for yourself. Find mm. yourself first is mm. the big one. And for a lot of us, we get stuck in that. We get stuck in the fear cycle and we don't communicate it. Yeah. And so that affects us. We just start to perform. Yeah. It just becomes this performance, get it done as quick as mm. possible. And we don't feel safe to do yeah. it otherwise. Which leads us into question number one, which mm. is uh, one of our biggest tools is called the core emotion wheel. Mm -hmm. And again, this is all just came out of research, figuring out what happens for humans. And humans have five neural regions that fire emotions. That's true for every human on the planet. And there are eight core emotions within those five regions, anger, fear, guilt, hurt, loneliness, sad, shame, and joy. And again, that's true for every human. So there are no exceptions to this. This is just what's happening as brain chemistry. Well, the core emotion wheel is designed to retrain us to recognize the eight core emotions. And we say retrain because a 12-month-old does this really well. The 12-month-old always conveys exactly what's happening for them in the moment. Well, we get knocked off course, so we don't do that anymore. So the core emotion wheel experience is designed as a four-minute tool for two people, two minutes per person. And that's the uh, free giveaway that Phyllis talked about. Uh, and we encourage all of your listeners, just go. It's free. Just go. Mm -hmm. You'll be shocked by what this does uh, for you as an individual and then for your relationships. And it's all relationships, not just partner pairs. But the core emotion wheel is designed to retrain your brain to recognize the core emotion that's already firing. It's already there. We're not inventing it. We're not creating it. It's already there. But it helps you to be able to identify it. Then you can process it. And the vast majority of us don't even know that these emotions are happening. So mm -hmm. we don't, and human behavior is pushed by emotion. And if we don't process the emotions, we end up making some really poor decisions, uh, really poor behavior. But the problem is not the poor behavior. I mean, that is a problem. I'm not condoning or agreeing with the poor behavior, but the problem is the emotion that was unprocessed that led to the poor behavior. And as long as we don't process that emotion, the best you're going to do is bite down on a stick and, and just grit your way through it. Whereas if you process the emotion that's behind it, then you actually are able to make smarter choices. And we know that too, just the science of that. The limbic system is what houses is the central command center for the emotions. The limbic system engages before the cortex. The cortex is uh, handled the executive functions of the brain, thought, reason, logic, et cetera. And so most of us make poor choices because the limbic system is flooded. Mm. And it's not because we're stupid. It's because the limbic system is flooded and we actually become a dumber version of ourselves because the cortex is flooded. It's not because we're dumb. It's because we're human, because mm. the limbic system is flooded. As long as the limbic system is flooded, you are not going to be able to make good executive functioning that, again, that's true for every human uh, on the planet. And I behave poorly when my emotions are unprocessed, not mm -hmm. because I'm a bad person, not because I don't adore Phyllis, 
it's because my limbic system is flooded and, and now I present as a dumber version of myself and I make poor choices. I love a good emotion wheel. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, so many people think that they're processing one thing when if they just go a little bit deeper, it's so much more nuanced than that. And then their ability to to actually be met in it and for the other person it's like oh well if you're just sad well i guess just go do something to make yourself happy goodness but if you're really dealing with despair you're really dealing with something if you're really dealing with grief well then we're going to look at that something we're going to look at it differently and then mm-hmm. you know and so i i love that i love that piece i love when people can get really connected with what they're actually feeling Versus, yeah. you know, the, I know they're all stemming from the core, but usually those core, they've got, you know, a couple to a few maybe in their, in their language that they even know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, to get even a little bit more into what's going on for someone and to be able to support them moving through that, which I was afforded that opportunity this morning with my husband. And and he would have done that for me. And he was doing that for me last night. I just needed space because I was, uh, my mind was spiraling and I was re-triggering myself um, mm-hmm. by going into memory and going into, and so I knew very clearly what was happening because I've dealt with anxiety and, and panic attacks and things like that. My, that started in high college, I think, and very, very rarely happens now. But when, when it comes, I'm like, okay, like you're pulling out all the tools they're laying completely out and you're right like i mean i was doing a pretty good job of triggering myself and calming myself down and then like and then uh, just riding the waves cuz then it would it would tug me back in and i ride the waves but it's one thing if i'm putting myself there it's a different thing that if jordan comes in and tries to fix it or make it stop right. or soothe me right. And then he kind of becomes the thing that's having me flop back into it. And so we actually just needed the space for me to fully calm myself down and to have my nervous system settle, um, which still, even in the midst of it was still very sweet, you know, like seeing how I used to have those episodes and experiences in the past and how people would react to me. Um, and I would shame myself and feel shame from them and feel guilty for doing it and feel dramatic and over the top and all of these things. Now I am partnered with someone that's like, I will do whatever you need, even if you can't tell me what you need right now. So I'm going to do a little bit of this and I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to know that this was not the intention. This impact is not what I intended. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you're hurting, you know? So he's not like, I'm so sorry, I'm wrong. And now he's not, he's not now victimizing himself and taking it and putting the spotlight on himself. He's making those things very separate, gave me that space. And then then this morning it was, I know that you're feeling these things, you know, and if there's more. And one of my favorite things that he does, even though it drives me a little bit cray in the moment, but he, we both have learned that it's the, the appropriate responses. What else? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. What else? He's like, I want to get that well all the way dry, like all the things out. Let's pull it all out. What else? What else? What else? Until it's complete. And then it's it just gets to be then like it just gets to be complete for the moment. And and I was, you know, even in the like I had traveled, I was in New Orleans and I was hosting retreat and all these things. And so we hadn't been sexually intimate in over a week because we were both traveling he was in Ohio, this whole thing. And so here I am in my head and I'm like, and now you fucked up our sex later. Like now I don't want to have, I'm not available for any of it. 
but he, I know we know the tricks. So there he was with me in the bathroom. Like, like, this is what it takes. This is what it takes in order to, you know, because the alternative is that the well didn't get all the way dry and, and he didn't show up in that way, maybe partially, but maybe not all the way, but maybe in some way, maybe he was still holding on like a little bit of defense or holding on a little bit of, he needs to be understood in order to feel complete um, and all of that. But he, he didn't do that, you know, like it, but if he did do those things and if he did operate in that way, if sex would have happened later, there would have been a part of it that I would have had to kind of push through in order to And I would have told myself sex will lead to us being more connected sex because we do leverage it as a tool at times, though I don't prefer it that way. I prefer to go in with, we already feel clear and Mm -hmm. I'm still hurting and I'm here because this is what I opt in for. This is the relationship that I've devoted my life to. And this matters to me. And even though like the little girl in me is really hurt still and is figuring herself out and I'm tending to her, she's my responsibility. Like I still in this moment want to be in connection um, Mm -hmm. and in physical intimacy, even though I want to fight you. I know what's probably best right now is that I actually let you in, let you touch me, regulate with me. Mm-hmm. instead of me only having to do it on my own. Cause I do have a willing partner that wants to breathe with me, wants to give me the presence, wants to do all those things. He wants to be my hero. And I know that I know that at the top of everything that that's all that man wants to do is like be the hero of the family, like be the one that provides me with so much happiness and joy and provides a great life for our family and our future family and all of that. And, and he's a human and sometimes he doesn't get it you know, it's not right or wrong. Sometimes it just misses the mark a little bit, you know, like his intentions, one thing and the impact is, is so mixed with so many other things that like he may or may not even be aware of. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that this work even exists because this, what Mm -hmm. I just described was never my reality previously. Mm. You know, like it has taken two people individually committed to the work for sure. Um, And then I have noticed at times if I make some shifts and I make some changes and I, you know, I usually use the term, I become the muse where I'm like, I'm inspiring to him. He gets on board real quick because he's like, oh, this makes her happy. And I like happy Alexa. She's sexually available. (laughs) I'll do that too. What's the words? Like he's got a notebook. He's writing them down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it obvious you guys have done a ton of work Mm -hmm. and you know, that is for us, that ton of work took absolutely forever for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's part of what inspired us with our oldest daughter to write the book and then, uh, to create the master classes, which one of them is actually on parenting because she is the one who's do she's expecting baby number six. And so parenting is a huge part of her heart. And she wanted to go, I want these tools to change parenting out there in the world. But it starts with just the foundation, understanding that's what we call it. The foundation masterclass is understanding the tools of emotion, like how to get there, how to, but we had to simplify it. Most people like, for example, our modules are less than 30 minutes, including a answer these questions for yourself moment. And we made them shorter because we know we just are in a busy life right now, everyone on this planet. And so 
no one wants to take very long to learn much. And so we wanted it <laughs> to be simple. We wanted every time for you to be able to take something away, right. like why versus what happens. Like we want everyone at the end to go, okay, I got it. I got this thing. I'm going to do it for mm -hmm. the next week. And then I'll watch another one. And we had to do that for ourselves, probably more for me, because I'm not a researcher. I'm not the scientist. I'm not the reader. Like, give me a great book, but not a self-help book. But Glenn is the guy, you know, he's the researcher, he's the scientist, but I'm like, make it simple, babe, make it simple. It's gotta mm -hmm. be simple. And that is yeah. what we so much desired. And that's what we want for your audience too. It's just yeah. gotta be ways to learn this stuff easily and quickly. And you gotta see change. Like, that's the thing too. Like the why versus what happens, just put that, implement that starting today. And you'll be shocked how in a week, You'll be like, oh my gosh, I stopped saying it. And I said, what happens over and over with people? And it worked. It made such a difference. I can't believe the great conversations I've had this week mm -hmm. by just changing that one thing. And so that's what we went after with our masterclasses was make the tools really simple so that you can get there quicker. And then you can have the stories like what you've shared, what you and Jordan have and what y'all have worked so hard to get. And that does, it all plays into your intimate relationship as well. Yeah. When you, when you have that safety, when you have that emotional connection mm -hmm. that you can get there. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. I love your story. Oh, thank you very much. And I love y'all's story too. And congratulations on another grandbaby coming mm -hmm. into the mix. Yeah. Um, Cause I imagine each time they come in, they've got their own, you know, soul and ideas of the world and what they're going to do. And it's like more opportunity to leverage the tools and see them played out in yes. new and yes. unique ways. And I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to um, taking some of the things that I've learned, you know, through the years, including some of the things that we've spoken about on the show and, and creating a completely different reality for our children in the future yes. than either of us grew up with. Mm -hmm. Um, and that feels really powerful and, and so worth, just so worth it, you know, the work being so worth it. And to me equates as, um, a life really well lived, mm -hmm. you know, so, and one that is very intentional and not just happening to us. And we're going through the motions and we just got to get through this stage of life and then this stage of life. And like, then we'll be right. happy. It's, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's so much beauty and available and happiness and joy and, and all that available, even right now, even, even if it's not, even if it's the hard part, yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So, well, thank you both so much for coming on, um, for giving this gift, for doing this, this work, for making it easy for our audience to find you and to lean yeah. into some of the, the work, the deeper work that you, um, have done and have provided to the world. And I'm just so grateful and appreciative. Is there any last thing before we put a bow on our show? Mm. Well, you deserve connection, mm. you know, and that, that is huge. You deserve to be understood. And I think often we just think we're broken and don't realize, I think the big one is emotion happens to you. And so to figure out what is happening for you and, you know, we're, we're always so different. I mean, Glenn and I felt 40 years later, we've been together 44 years. We're as different as we've always been, mm. but now I can hear his experience and he can hear mine without judgment yeah. and the things that I find joy in sometimes he finds pain in and that's okay. And we can celebrate who we are and the differences that we are. Yeah. And just to remind people, as I said earlier, that you didn't do the, you didn't end up where you didn't want to be on purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not because you're a bad person, a wrong person, a dumb person. 
uh, we just haven't had the tools. Uh, we always yeah. call it trying to put a nail into a board with a toothbrush and people are wailing away on this nail. And they're like, it's not working. It's not working. Well, they have the wrong tool. Mm. It's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're not trying hard enough. They have the wrong tool. They have a toothbrush and they're beating on this nail and it's barely sticking into the wood, just a little, <laughs> but mm -hmm. not really. And so they haven't ha had the right tools, the right materials to build their house. And so then they end up in this house that's falling apart. And they're like, what happened? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. What's wrong with us? Well, there's nothing wrong with you. You just did not know what mm -hmm. you didn't know. And that's right. our goal is to just help people right. to get the information they need. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes, but just again, the reminder, connectioncodes.co forward slash that sex chick yeah. will get you all those free downloads. And yeah. then if you jump right into the masterclass, use the code sex chick to get 20% yeah. off. I bet you love putting those codes together. Yeah, yeah. That sex chick and sex chick. <laughs> very cute. Very cute. Social media, Instagram does not like that. That's what my brand is called, but uh, but it's effective. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is effective. All right. Thank you again so much for coming on and for sharing your wisdom and sharing your time with all of our listeners. I greatly appreciate it. And I know that they greatly appreciate it as well. Thank you, Alexa. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.